0: Welcome to the Mailbag Edition of the Higher Ed Jobs Podcast. I'm Andy Hibble, Chief Operating Officer and one of the co-founders of Higher Ed Jobs.
1: And I'm Kelly Sherwin, the Director of Editorial Strategy.
0: And today we're doing the inaugural edition of our Mailbag, which is going to be a quick response to an email or a tweet we've received from one of the listeners. Kelly, I'm excited to do this today.
1: I am too. We appreciate getting the feedback from our listeners, and I look forward to discussing some of the comments.
0: We've recently released the first three episodes and we've received a lot of feedback from our listeners. We, we thank everybody who has sent an email or sent over a tweet, we really appreciate it. But there was one email that had a, a part of it that we kind of wanted to get out there real quick because we thought it was a pretty timely topic and we wanted to let folks know kind of what our thoughts were on it. We'd received one email that kind of described the process of interviewing for jobs and applying to jobs at colleges and universities that may actually only be intended for one person to actually apply and having possibly a candidate who was going to be the intended hire. Actually, this is something we've seen before. Actually, there was an Atlantic article that we'll put in the the podcast notes. It's called a job description written for exactly one person. It's from a few years back. It actually references a job that was intended for one person and how to handle that situation. And seeing the listeners' concern about how do you handle situations like this and what's important to do, we thought we should respond to that in light of some of the uh, media feedback to the recent happenings in the NFL and the Rooney Rule, which requires NFL teams to interview diverse candidates for certain senior-level positions, including head coach and former Miami Dolphins head coach Brian Flores had interviewed with the New York Giants and is now claiming that that was a sham interview. We'll include this in the notes as well, a really good article that talks particularly related to diverse candidates about sham interviews that came from the Boston Globe. We'd love to kind of tell you that this is not something we believe happens, and it's not something that academic institutions do, but we also do realize if we were to say that, that that isn't the truth. We understand that these things happen, and we understand that this is a practice that does occur. I think what I'd like to focus on is, what do you do when you find yourself in this situation? And I kind of throw it back to you, Kelly, and say, what should a candidate do when they suspect That this job may just be intended for one candidate?
1: Well, it's a really good question. I, I think as job seekers, we have to understand that there are going to be parts that don't seem fair, and it's human nature to want things to be fair. And here at Higher Ed Jobs, I think we can acknowledge that obviously the process is difficult and it is frustrating. It's frustrating to see that this type of process could be happening because. We all want to apply to a position and know that we're being considered. But I think what we have to understand as the job seeker, what my advice would be, is to control what you can control. You have the ability to control how you're looking at the job search and understand that you can't take things so personal. It's not like the employer was writing the job description to exclude you. Uh, You have to understand that, going back to what I was saying about control what you can control, control your attitude and understand that, That might not be the position for you and to have this mental mindset to move forward in other ways. Maybe that's not the position for you then.
0: Kelly, I think you're spot on there because at the end of the day, as a job seeker, you have tools in your toolbox and probably the most limiting of tools, because there's only so much of this tool you can use, is your enthusiasm towards your job search. And energy spent on trying to A, figure out or B, understand why this may be happening In truth, you did waste your time, but why you wasted your time is going to eat away at your enthusiasm. I understand it is not something I would like to have happen to me, and I know I'd be upset about it. But if you can, try to find the ability to understand it happened, acknowledge it, but try to conserve your enthusiasm and your energy for places that are productive to your job search, which are obviously keeping the day-to-day up. But also when you talk to employers, they want to see your enthusiasm. They want to see your passion about your work. They want to see your excitement about coming into this role. And if you're feeling the weight of things like this within your job search, it's going to diminish your candidacy if you buy too much into it. Now I'm going to flip it and now talk to the employer side that's out there. I'm not saying that in some instances that there's requirements at schools where jobs have to be posted and, There's a natural fit, and there's an internal promotion, and there's all these things going on that you might have a determined candidate. I'm not going to comment on that. I think for our listener out here who wrote this email, and there was lots of really good topics, we can cover one of those in a 30-minute podcast. Probably there was a half dozen topics in this particular email, which each kind of deserve its own 30-minute podcast, as does this one. But if your employers out there, the part that I thought was interesting was the ethical question of it. If you're doing this, A, ask why. Do you have to do it this way? Are there better ways to do it? Try to find an alternative solution. But if you do this, consider that there's human beings on the other side of this who are sincerely going through a very difficult process of applying for jobs and show some humanity towards them. They're going through this because you're choosing to do this search. I think you really need to think about that.
1: I agree. I think boiling it down to being kind is really important. I remember this from several years ago, a long time ago when I was in a job search, I went to an interview. I had a phone interview. I had an in-person interview. I followed it up with a, a thank you and crickets. I didn't even hear anything back at all. And all I was expecting as a job seeker was just a response saying, thank you. You're not the right candidate. Employers, like you said, Andy, need to understand that there are people on the other side. It's not just an email resume. It's a real person with real feelings, who has a lot on the line. So showing compassion and, and kindness as an employer. And if you have to do it, do it in a very humane way if possible.
0: In many instances, folks, we encourage you to email us at podcast at higheredjobs.com or send us a tweet at higheredjobs. And we really do want to hear your feedback. I'm really interested hearing from folks, not just how this happened to them and how difficult it was on them, which I, I do want to hear. I also want to hear coping mechanisms they have for dealing with that within the job search. We'd want to hear what's been successful and what we'd love to hear. And if you're an employer who, who kind of wants to talk about it, anything that employers have done to address some of these core issues and try to be more transparent when it comes to issues like this and how they onboard people who might be a candidate who looks like they're going to be going into a job that's currently open. So once again, podcast at higheredjobs.com at higheredjobs on Twitter as evidenced by our mailbag episodes we want to hear from you thanks for joining us today